0: we go through transitions in life, um, and all of life is like this, there, there's both a, a stopping of certain things and a starting of other things. So you think about this, when you become a college student, you, you stop doing certain things and you start doing others. You, you stop going to your high school. You stop wearing your soccer jersey. You stop wearing your letter jacket. And, and you start going to college, right? You start going to college classes and, and making new friends. There's a stopping and a starting. Or you think about this, when you, when you transition jobs, you get a new job, and, and there's a stopping and there's a starting. You, you, you stop going to your old job. You stop answering to your old boss and interacting with your old coworkers. And, and you start... Um, taking the new route to work and interacting with a new boss. There's a a stopping and a starting in in every transition in life. And we're so well aware of this. And so too is true in our journey with Christ, that as we transition, each of us start in the same place. As we make these transitions from, from looking like the world and living like the world and chasing after the things that the world is passionate about. As we make this transition from, from letting those things go, from setting those things aside, and to, to start running after Jesus, and to start running after his heart, to start bringing with Jesus the kingdom down more fully to earth, we understand that there is a, a stopping and a starting. There's a, there are things that as we become Christians that we stop doing, and there are things as Christians that we start doing, right? Shake your head if, if you agree with me. Last week, we talked about in Ephesians chapter four, we really pressed into what it means to, to stop the, the things that as we step into life with Christ, that, that there's a, a clear break. And it doesn't always happen in an instant. It's a, it's a lifetime of, of letting go, of parting ways with, with the, the things that we used to, to, per, per, to find delight in, the things that we used to pursue. And so Paul lists out a bunch of things. He says, hey, when you become a Christian, you gotta quit being greedy, and you, and you gotta let go of bitterness, and you gotta quit chasing sexual immorality, and you gotta think about how you're using your mouth and, and the, the way that you're using your words to build or to tear down. And, and, and he says that, that when you become a Christian, there's this, this clear break. There are these things that you stop doing. But the reality is a, a picture of a, a Christian, someone who is actually following Christ, it's not just about things that we stop doing, right? Yeah, I grew up in a Christian home, Christian parents. Um, and for a lot of my life, I thought being a Christian was just about not doing things. Hey, if you don't do this, you're a Christian. If you don't do this, you're a Christian. If you don't do this. And what I've, I've seen is that, man, that the life of Christ, the life of a Christ follower isn't just about things that we're not doing. It's about things that we are doing. It's not just about stopping. It's about starting other things. And so this morning, I'm excited to jump in and look at what Paul says about what it looks like to, to become a more complete Christ follower. So we're going to start in verse 32. Actually, it's the last verse in Ephesians chapter 4. That's where we're going to start this morning. This is what Paul says. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Listen to these words, forgive each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So I love what Paul does here. He says, he says a lot, but there are a couple of things I want us to, to, to just really see in these first few verses. He reminds us who, uh, of who Christ is. He reminds us of what Christ has done for us. And he reminds us of who we are because of Christ. I love that he says in this, that we are children of God, that we are dearly loved by God. That Christ Jesus, when he looks at us, when he thinks about you, Jack, when he thinks about you, Paloma, when he thinks about you, Douglas, when he thinks about you, Dawi, when he looks at us, it says that he, we are dearly loved. I never get tired of telling my wife and my children. I never get tired of telling you, my church family, how much I just love you and delight in you. So too is the case with God. That as you read the scriptures, that all throughout, from from beginning to end, God just reminds us over and over again that we are his children. He reminds us how much he loves us. And I hope that we develop eyes for this, because we need to be reminded how dearly loved we are. That truth is so refreshing. It is so healing to our souls, because we know, right? for For those of us who are Christians, we know how unbelievably sinful and forgetful and weak we are. Amen? And we need to be reminded that in the midst of our inconsistency, his love for us is constant. Amen? Even when we fall. You didn't say that with Christ the emphasis. He reminds us of who Christ is. He reminds us what Christ has done for us. And I love this, this line in this passage. It says that he gave up his life for us. And that verse, that hit me afresh this week. That he gave up his life for us. You think about a healthy marriage, maybe you're in a healthy marriage, maybe your parents have modeled a healthy marriage, maybe some of your best friends are modeling this, but when you look at a healthy marriage, you you see people who are giving up their lives, their money, their their time, their claims to to their dreams and to their life, and, and you see a healthy marriage and the picture of a healthy marriage is, I will give it all up because I want you. Life with you is worth more than anything. This is what Christ is saying to us. That he stepped out of the riches, he stepped out of the comfort, he stepped out of the security of heaven, and he laid it all aside for humanity. For you, Myron, and for me. For each of us. Christ Jesus died a sinner's death that he did not deserve. And it was in his death where God the Father forgave us of all of our sins because Christ was offered in our place, in your place, Sonia, in your place, David, in your place, Casey. Christ chose, think about this, to use the limited time that he had on earth. The 30-something years that Christ had on earth, he used to serve God And to serve us. Think about that. The way he chose to live. Do we pattern our lives after Jesus's? Are we using this life that we have been given to serve ourselves? Do we use it to serve God, to serve others? I love what Paul says. He says, Be compassionate. He says, be kind. He says, forgive one another. He says, walk in the way of love. He says, offer your life to God. And I'm going, man, I, I can't answer this for you, but I want to ask you some questions. Does, does that describe your life? When people who are not a part of our church family, when they, when they come into Marathon, when they sit down beside us, is, is that how they perceive us? If you're not a Christian, if this is your first week here, has that been your experience so far? That this is who Christians are kind and compassionate and and forgiving and loving? Answer these questions in your heart. You don't have to answer it out loud. Do we forgive or do we hold grudges? Oh, I don't like that question. Are we compassionate or are we hard hearted? Do we really live for God with a conscious offering up of our lives daily? Do we love each other? Are we for each other? Are you for the person that you're sitting beside? A lot of times, if, if we aren't living into these things, if we're not starting these, if we're not being clothed in these things, what I've discovered is that it's so often because we haven't received them first. You've not tasted the kindness of God. You've not tasted the compassion of God. You've not tasted the forgiveness of God. You've not walking in a deep place of the love of God. Because what Jesus says is that when you are are, are swimming in these things from God to your heart, the natural response is to give those to others. And I go, if you have a compassion problem, if you have a kindness problem, it's not because you're a terrible person. I wonder if you've accepted those. Talk about an area of my life where God has just done a great work in me, where God has done it, not me. Have a family member over the past, you know, fifteen or so years, has just continually hurt me. Things that they have said, things that they have done. I don't know if you have someone like that in your life that it just you're like the, the the punching bag. It feels like, and so often I'll just get in this place. I'll get out of a conversation. And I'm like, I just want to be done. I want to cut ties. I don't want to see them at Thanksgiving. I don't want to talk to them. I want to just be done. My life will be so much easier. And I think about all the things that they say and do. And I build up this case why I should just cut them out of my life. And over and over again, the Holy Spirit has reminded me of how much more God has forgiven Brandon. How much more patient God has been with me. The reality is, when you understand how much you've been forgiven, when you understand the kindness, when you understand the compassion, the love of God, and what those things do in your life and in your soul, you want them for other people. I was thinking about these words, kindness and compassion. I was praying, God, who is someone in our church that is just kind? I thought about Allison Gibson. I don't know if you guys know Allison. She's a house church leader, just this amazing woman of God. And you spend time with Allison and you go, man, she has this welcoming and loving spirit inside of her, right? (laughs) That makes people feel safe and valued and welcome. She's kind. Think about compassion. I think about my friend April. I worked in campus ministry before I um, worked here at Ethos. April and I got to work together for a little while and I, I, I watched her just interact with with people on campus. And I go, man, that that she understands compassion. Cares deeply. She feels deeply. She looks people in the eyes and she feels what they're feeling, compassion, forgiveness. We all want to be these kind of people, right? Not a person here that goes, no, I'd rather be mean and bitter and unforgiving. Paul is speaking to the places that he knows that we want to step into. The things that he knows that we want to be clothed in. He keeps writing in verse eight. He says, listen, church, you were were once darkness. You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Wow. Daniel, you were once darkness. Not anymore. You're light in the Lord. He says, so live as a children of light. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. It says, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And So Paul, it's important for us to understand that he's speaking to Christians and non-Christians here. This phrase that he writes, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead. Christ will shine on you. I want to talk about that for a minute. When you go to bed at night or when you go in bed in the morning, if you're a nurse or if you work in a midnight shift, whenever you go to bed, in our sleep, we, we aren't experiencing things as they really are. In our sleep, we are resting. We are we're resting from interacting with others. We're we're resting from interacting with with our work. We're resting from seeing and experiencing life. But when we wake up, we see things and experience things as they are. My prayer for our city has been, especially in this past season, for those who don't know Jesus, I have a list of people that I just pray through and pray for. My prayer is that God would wake this city up. That God would wake my people up. And Dave over at the cannery is is pressing into this idea. You might want to go listen to his podcast later this week. I think it's going to be really good. He's he's talking about what it means to be awake. But it hit me this week that there is a, a stark contrast between those who are fully alive in Christ, for those, there's a stark contrast between those who are awake and walking with Christ and those who aren't. I think about Chris Ann. You know, Chris Ann, this this past spring with a group of others, gave up a whole week of vacation to to plan a retreat for this church family. A lot of her time, a lot of her own resources. Could have used her spring break to do anything she wanted. Why did she do that? She's awake. (laughs) I think about my friend Evan. I saw Evan in the back. I remember praying with Evan a few months ago at the the prayer gathering at the cannery. And the way that he was talking, the things that that he cares about, I'm going, man, that guy cares about Christ. And he truly believes deep in his soul that, that life is better for people when they're actually following Christ. And people who are, are walking with Christ, for, for, for those of you who are followers of Jesus, you are awake and your life is so drastically different from those who are still sleeping. I pray that people, that if you come here today, I pray that you would see and that you would experience the realness of Jesus. In fact, I wanna pray right now, just specific specifically, specifically for you, specifically for you. God, I pray for those that are in our midst that do not know you. For those in our midst this morning that don't trust you. God, I pray that, that you would allow them to see God, that none of us who are Christians just decided to, to, to wake up, that you did something. You, you showed us how much, we need, how much we needed you. And so, God, I pray that for my brothers and my sisters in this room that don't know you, that you would wake them up, that you would help them to step into this abundant life that we have found in you, Jesus. And I pray that for our city. I pray that for our other campuses. I pray that for people all over. Um, that they would come to know you as Lord. God, that you would wake them up and that we would give you the glory and the honor and the praise that you deserve. Amen. Paul says some hard words here in this, in this letter. He says, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. I want you to hear this. He says, but rather expose them Says, for everything that, that is exposed becomes light. He keeps writing this in verse 15. He says, but be very careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And so he, he says this word expose, and none of us like that word. None of us want to talk about what that means for us as Christians. It makes us so dang uncomfortable. And I think this is what the Lord was, was speaking to me this week. That there is a time for us to expose our, our friends there. That there is a time to, to call people out in their sin. To help them see it for what it is. And none of us like that. You're like, I'm not coming back to this church. I don't like what this guy's saying. Hear me out, though. Several years ago, one of my good friends, follower Jesus, just did a complete 180 and started running away from God. And I saw it, saw what he was doing, saw the choices he was making. He comes to me after he comes to a senses after he wakes back up and he says, you said nothing, Brandon. You let me go down this path and you did nothing. You didn't come after me. It's like you didn't even care about me. There's a time for this. Jesus did it. Read through Matthew, read through Mark, read through Luke. Jesus often rebuked people for things that they said, things that they did. And there is a time for this. And we are so scared. We're going to have to get past this just as a a church, as people who are filled with the Holy. we're going to, we're going to have to get past the fear of, of coming across as judgmental. Because what happens is that in our fear, so often we say nothing and the enemy is just having a heyday. But hear me out. I also don't believe that we are called to go around and be the spiritual referees blowing a whistle every time someone does something wrong. There's a time when we live among and we live around people who don't follow Jesus and our constant lives are the flashlights that show them that there's just something different. There's something off. There's something more. And it doesn't mean that we never speak. It just means that we demonstrate through our true devotion to Jesus what abundant life really looks like. Think about a trip that I got to be a part of when I was in college. We'd go down to Panama City Beach every spring break. And we didn't go down there to to smack beer bottles out of people's hands and to condemn them and to tell them how Mess up their life was. No, we went down there just to to sit and to listen and to be a light, and it was amazing how often we would just be sitting on the beach having conversations with people, and just because we weren't chasing girls and 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 getting drunk, that that they noticed. I, mean, I think about this thing that our staff is getting to do this summer, from four to six on Wednesday afternoons. We're we're locking up the office and we're going out into our city, into Nashville, just to be light. We're just praying, God, would you? bring people into our path. Would you let us connect with people? And so Bryant, the guy that's interning with me this this summer, we we're we're going, we're playing basketball at these courts off of eighth Avenue, just trying to be around these people and the way that they talk, the way that they think it's just, it's different than us. And we're not going up to them and telling them about all the things that they're doing wrong and all the ways that they're missing it. No, we're, we're trying to be in their lives to care for them, to let them know that there are are people who are committed to, to reaching this city. And so I want to encourage you. If your neighbor or your spouse or your kids or your parents, if they aren't followers of Jesus, keep following Jesus. And if He leads you to, to blow a whistle, do so with the humility and the kindness that you'd want someone to come at you with. Paul keeps writing in verse 18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. He's saying this. He said, hey, church, don't escape. In this new life with Christ, don't numb yourself through drunkenness to the things that are going on, the pain, the hurt that's in this world. He says, no, be filled instead with the Holy Spirit. And I'm reading that this week, and I'm going, Paul, what do you mean be filled with the Holy Spirit? He doesn't say to us, hey, like, go and read your Bibles or, or go and pray. He says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm going, how do we do that? We want to do that. If our cars are empty, we know how to fill them up with gas. We go to the gas station. If our, if our bellies are empty, we know how to fill them up. We go and put food in our mouths, right? But, but how do we as Christians, how do we be filled with the Holy Spirit? I think Paul touches on this, verses 19 and 20. To speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think what he says here is a couple of things. Is This is how you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Not entirely, but these are some ways that you're filled with the Holy Spirit. When you share psalms and scriptures and songs with each other, you're filled with the Spirit. He says, when you, when you sing from the, the deep places of your heart, when you give your heart to God, you're, you're being filled with the Holy Spirit. He says, when, when you walk around being grateful for the things that you have, he says, you're being filled with the Holy Spirit. Often when I think about being filled with the Holy Spirit, I think about Acts chapter two moments, where something big, something mysterious, something that never seen before happens. And I do think it's clear that, that these moments do happen, that, that God will fill his people with the Holy Spirit through some mysterious and just strange ways sometimes. And he also fills us with the Holy Spirit, as Paul indicates here, through sharing and through singing and through living lives of gratitude. A little over a year ago, one of our, our good friends, um, Courtney and I just lost a baby. We had a miscarriage. And some of our good friends had just lost a baby. I was praying for them. It was heavy on my heart. I just was sitting and I felt like the Lord put Psalm 23 on my heart to pray for them. I love that one of the last lines of Psalm chapter 23, it says, surely your goodness and your mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I thought I was supposed to just text him. So I said, hey, I was reading this Psalm. I was praying for you. And this idea of following, you know, when we think about following, following isn't going in, in front of, following is coming behind. And I think what God is wanting you to, to know is that although that, that you've had this pain and this hurt, that his mercy and his love is following, it's coming behind you, it's comforting you, it's going to be there. My friend's like, you have no idea how much that just has meant to us, it's spoken to us. By us just praying for each other, by us just being in the word for each other and sharing the word. One of my good friends, his name's Mark, he he lives in Jackson, Tennessee, and I'll get a text from him at like 5 a.m. because he and I are early risers, and he'll send me this text. Hey, I was reading Mark chapter 8 this morning. I was reading Philippians 2, and I thought, oh, you just wanted to send you this passage, and you have no idea how the word of God just brings life to us. It fills us with the Holy Spirit. scriptures, passages that we have access to. And he says, hey, when you're willing to share those, to speak those to one another, f- being filled with the Holy Spirit. Or you think about this, when we, when we gather and we sing, on Sundays, when, when, when we really let loose, when we close our eyes and we don't care about what others around us are thinking, when we let the words in our mouths reflect the, the affection in our heart for God, He said, the Holy Spirit fills us. When you and I, when we acknowledge that God and the good things that we have in our lives that come from him, when we give him thanks, says, we're being filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, just as important to our journey with Christ as stopping certain behaviors is starting others. And as we transition into this life with Christ, man, it comes with growing pains, right? We get so frustrated with ourselves. We get so frustrated with our friends. We get so frustrated with our church. We fail and we stumble. And we have to remember this, that Christ, Christ is always with us. And Christ is patient with us. And Christ is compassionate. And Christ is forgiving us. And Christ isn't angry that he died for us. (laughs) No, we are dearly loved children. That he anticipates that he has made a way for us to be in the family of God forever. So here in just a minute, we're going to take communion. I invite you to take communion with people that you're with today. You can come back to your seat. You can scatter around the room. I invite you to get a piece of bread and to get a cup of juice that reminds us of who Christ is and what Christ has done for us. And as you're taking communion, if you need prayer for something, this is a place that you get prayer. That if you have hard things going on in your life, if you're struggling to believe, if you're struggling with resentment or bitterness, let someone pray for you. This is what it means. It's not just this individual pursuit between you and God. Let the body of Christ walk with you, encourage you and speak into your life. If you need prayer for something, let the people that you came with pray for you. If you don't know anyone, come to the back. There'll be some men and women at the Respond Banner. We'd love to pray with you. Nana's going to be there. The woman that did the welcome, I'll be back there. If you come here today and you're not a Christian and you have some questions or you just want to talk, come to the back, come to the Respond Banner. Come find one of us. Probably not going to answer all your questions today, but we'll walk with you. We'll surround you with people that will walk with you. I'm grateful that you're here. I'm grateful to be a part of this family this morning with you. Let's pray. God, the things that are troubling us, would you speak into all those areas of our life? Would you speak peace? Would the worries and the fears, God, would they... With a quiet, with a hush, because we know that you're with us. God, would you help us as Christians to keep growing up, to keep putting on? Would you help us to be patient with others? Would you help us to re- receive the patience from you that we need to keep going? God, would you flip the light switch on where the enemy is working? Would you allow us to hear his lies? Would you allow us to see his footholds? And Lord Jesus, by your spirit, by your death and by your resurrection, would you bring freedom? Would you bring freedom this morning? Would you bring healing? Would you bring life? Would you fill us with your spirit? God, help us to speak words to each other this morning. Psalms, help us to sing. Help us to be filled with your Holy Spirit. We love you, Lord Jesus. You are our king. We bow down, we worship you, we give you everything. Forgive us when we take our eyes off of you. God, this morning, recenter us. God, give us such, you know, just thought about the the image of a bride walking down the aisle with such intent, just walking to her groom. God, would you give us that intention with you? Help us to look you clearly in the eyes and to know who it is that we're walking towards, who we're living for, who we want to please. Fill us afresh this morning, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for these men and women and children. We know that you're real, you love us. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen.